and welcome to the Changes Ahead podcast. Giving space to the often unheard questions, doubts, hopes, and challenges facing the church in Aotearoa, New Zealand. I'm Stephen. And I'm Kathy, and we invite you to join us as we imagine the changes ahead. Hey, Kathy. Good to be back. Welcome. Welcome to season two. Thank you. And right back at you. Welcome back. And it's good to be here. Yeah, good to be together again. And I'm really looking forward to what our guests are going to bring this year. Yeah, and it's such a privilege, Stephen, to hear people's stories. And in hearing them, I think it makes them feel seen. And it creates the generosity of spirit that we're really longing for to be more prevalent in our spaces. Yeah, and we've got a great season ahead. And one of the things we wanted to highlight right at the beginning here is in a couple of weeks' time, we've got Jo Robertson coming to speak with us. And she's a sex therapist. And Stephen, it's something we're not very comfortable talking about, which has left it wide open for a lot of harmful myths to be created. And so it's something that we really want to address well, and I think Joe is going to help us with that. So we want to invite people to use the contact details at the end of the episode to bring any questions that you've got that we can present to Joe. Should be an exciting episode. I'm so looking forward to it. Well, that's enough intro. Let's get into this first episode of season two. We're really excited to introduce you all to Jess. And Kathy, could you tell us something that stood out for you in our conversation with Jess? I'd like to use Jessica's words that this was a life-giving conversation for us. And listen to her call and her vision for intentional and meaningful connections across the ages. Awesome. Well, let's listen to this conversation with Jess. Well, Jess, welcome to the Changes Ahead podcast. We're so grateful for your time and to have the chance to hear a little bit about your thoughts around what Changes Ahead for the Church might be. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Jess, just uh, tell us a little bit about you and what makes you tick. I'm 20 years old. I study at the University of Auckland. I'm halfway through a four-year degree. So I study health science, politics and communications. So a bit of a mix there. And I also study part-time at Kerry Baptist College as well, which has been really awesome. I think as a person, what makes me tick is my friends, my family, my whānau, my community. Mm. And on a personal level, I don't know, I exercise, I hang out with friends, I love my job, anything like that, really. I'm a pretty simple person as it stands. Yeah. Awesome. So you you said you're doing, one of the things that you're studying is politics. And if I remember rightly, you were a youth member of parliament a few years back. So can we talk a little bit about how politics has impacted you and your faith and just your journey so far? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, you're right. In um, 2019, I was the youth member of parliament for the Mongakeke electorate. I worked under a national MP, but the program itself was apolitical, which means that none of the work that we did actually aligned with a political party and we weren't expected to share the same views or participate in anything that came across as campaigning for a certain party or anything like that. It was very much just exposure to the political world and the processes that come along with that. Yeah, and so studying politics at uni is is really interesting because uh, you meet a lot of very interesting people. I show up to class and there's groups of people who come along in suits and briefcases and they're ready to 
debate and hash out big issues and then there's other people who are kind of just there because it's their general education and they don't really have the same passion so yeah you definitely see a mix and I think as a Christian I think my views and my approach to politics has really changed from back in 2019 when I was still at high school Uh, I was a very I had a very structured life I you know had the typical teenage woes if you will Um, whereas now as a uni student and as someone who's a lot more engaged with the church I think my experiences have yeah drastically shifted how I view politics and I think I've come to realize on a personal level that who you vote for is is less important than that you vote and that as a Christian you engage Mm -hmm. your right to vote as a citizen and I think one thing I'm really passionate about is making sure that people understand their right to vote and actually participate in a way that betters society as a whole Mm. yeah so why why does that matter why does voting you know exercising that right to vote why does that matter do you reckon Mm. I think it matters for a few reasons I think my one of the things that I think I can get quite frustrated about is when people complain about issues in society and then choose not to vote I think it's important to use your your right because uh, we're lucky enough to have it Um, especially as a woman Mm. I know that's a massive thing as well is like you know a lot of 20 year old women are oppressed they don't have the option to just go to the voting booth and tick a box and say yeah I want this person to lead our electorate to lead our local council um, whatever it is and I think as a Christian you know we have a massive call to justice and we have Mm. a massive call to caring for the sick and for the poor and for engaging communities that aren't typically engage with especially in what's the word in political systems that favor you know one section of society over another Mm. so I think yeah as a Christian it's really important that we vote not to idolize the political parties or the leaders or anything of the sort but to say yeah we have this call to be engaged citizens and we have this right and we should use it Mm. cool Mm. yeah so maybe tell us a little bit about how that's changed you Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think I've always been politically inclined. I think my parents raised me to not shy away from those conversations, which I'm really thankful for. Mm. We always had dinner time discussions mm. and, you know, we always had the news on at the table and everything on the news is political these days, whether you want it to be or not. Uh, and I think they always taught me not to hide from that, that mm. bit of the world. But I think, yeah, as a teenager, Uh, when I was at school, it was very almost self-seeking, like how can I benefit from Mm. who I vote for or what does voting for this person for over this person for get me? How does that advance my wants? And I think now as someone who is a youth leader and has seen a lot more and has been through a lot more, I think politics and voting and everything of that matter is a lot more collective and it's a lot more how can we do better as society to care for people and it's less I'm an individual these are my wants how can I satisfy them Mm. so I think yeah in 2022 I went on this awesome road trip with a bunch of people to look at different communities that serve Jesus in different ways that potentially stray from you know traditional or mainstream church on a Sunday 10 a.m hour and a half service and instead they live 
their entire lifestyle for Jesus in what most people would probably call a pretty radical way. And I think being exposed to people who, for example, put themselves in poverty in order to see how those people live and to, you know, see the other side of it that most Mm -hmm. people won't experience in their life. I think having experiences like that and being exposed to different ways of living politics again has become something that's more about okay a lot of people are affected by this decision and there's what is there five million people in New Zealand and every single person is impacted by politics whether they are aware of it whether they want to be whether they voted for whoever or not Mm. so yeah I think that as a Christian my views have yeah definitely transitioned from being less you know I want this I want this this policy is great for my future versus whoa there are a lot of people who are suffering how can we help mm-hmm. yeah cool well it's sorry it, it, it's just making me smile because <laughs> you know between 16 and 20 your worldview has changed from being an individual to mm. a collective mm. in four years. Like I, I kind of want to go, wow, and 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 you're Harold. Yeah. <laughs> no, because look, we can keep going growing into adulthood and still be so individually minded. Yeah. I I, I, I sorry, I just found that as as, as such uh, an inspiration. So I I, I just had to kind of take note Thanks. of that. As Stephen and I are often talking about how inspired we get by younger voices. And so this is one of those moments. <laughs> so let's think about the church context then. If you that that shift from more and a more individual focus to a more collective focus. You've been a part of the church for a while, yeah, so through, mm-hmm. at least through your, your teenage years and maybe earlier. Or maybe I should ask you, how long have you been a part of a church? I've been technically a part of the church since the start of year nine. So yep. what's that, seven years now, coming up yep. eight. But I've properly been a Christian for about five years. Like mm. I, I was, I got saved in year 11. I got baptized in 2020, I think. So yeah, it's been about five years of properly following God. And so what's what's your experience of the church space, I suppose? And when we we reflect on that individual slash collective kind of political world, how does that feed into your church experience? Mm. When I think about the church, it would make sense, right, that it is a collective space and that everyone is there to serve one another and to serve the wider community and the wider body. But I think the more involved I have gotten with the church, the more I have realized how individualized it can be because Mm. church politics is a real thing. Mm. And when you have different leadership styles and you have unions and you have different denominations and different (laughs) ministries within a church, it's like, whoa, there are so many factors here that go into running a church. And I think my views on politics on a national scale from you know looking at Aotearoa as a collective unit if you will and then looking at politics from a church scale I think about all the ways that we could do better as a church Mm. in terms of engaging with political discussions and again I don't think it's 
about saying this is who you should vote for. Not at all. Mm. I think it's about not shying away and being open to having conversations with different people about the importance of engaging there. Mm. Yeah. And I think that when you do that, you when you open yourself up to vulnerable conversations like that, because political conversations can be really vulnerable yeah. if you especially if you do talk about, you know, who are you voting for? How do you think about this issue? I think that you do open yourself up and it can be really scary, especially as a Christian, where I think mainstream Christianity has a lot of stereotypes or expectations about how you might think. Hmm. So I think that when you are vulnerable and you allow yourself to have a group discussion or a collective discussion, Mm -hmm. you move, you allow yourself even one inch closer to a more collective Mm mindset or point of view rather than saying oh as a church how can we benefit ourselves it's like well no that's not the point it's Mm. not how can we benefit ourselves as the church it's how can we benefit others how can how can we serve it's not what can we gain Mm. (laughs) yeah you mentioned some stereotypes that might be in i think you said mainstream christianity Mm. are there a couple in your mind that you you think that kind of spring to mind as far as what those might be and and some of those stereotypes yeah i think a lot of them are born out of Western American Christianity, which again is very different from Aotearoa Christianity and from what it looks like in our context. I think the main ones come to mind of expectations that Christians would be anti the rainbow community or that Christians would only vote for men in leadership or that they would only vote for older people. And I think as we transition as a society and as a church to having conversations that break down those expectations you then also transition from individualized mindset to collective because as you break down those stereotypes you allow yourself to enter a new era where you don't have to follow those expectations and I would say in my own church context I would say that those expectations don't hold for the most part which is awesome and I feel really blessed for that but for a lot of people those expectations do hold and they're And it's not even really an expectation. It's just a way of being for a lot of people, which is problematic. (laughs) Um, And I think that it's really important for people to, um, to kind of reassess why they hold those expectations and what grounds them. Because I think of other 20 year olds and I think of some of my friends or some people at uni or people I went to high school with who do belong to the church and I kind of sit back and I'm like, whoa, how are we in two massively different places? Hmm. Yeah, if that makes sense. (laughs) Are you saying even amongst your own age? Yeah, for sure. I think I would say in my circles, most people take a more, yeah, to use that word again, take a more collective approach and take a more societal approach. But there are definitely people I know who, I am friends with who I have a relationship with who take more of a traditional or conservative or, yeah, you know, Western Americanized political approach. Yeah. And it, it's so easy, though, to because if you're not exposed, which is what you're saying, I mean, you don't even think that you ought to rethink yeah. Because you've just taken it for granted. And that's why it's so important to even have someone like you coming in to say, well, for you, 
you do see it differently. And that gives us a, a chance to go, oh, well, I hadn't even thought about it like that. I mean, how do you imagine that this exposure can happen more? How, do, how does that happen? How do, how do we get to hear this more? Yeah, I think that exposure can happen in a lot of different ways. I think one of the ways that I was exposed to a lot of new understandings about the world was through a more intergenerational approach to church because mm. I think that young people, sure, we have a lot to give. And I think sometimes we can be resistant to thinking that we can also learn a lot from older people. And, well, vice and older versa. people are never never resistant to learning from younger people. Oh, of no, course not. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, I think I think an intergenerational approach and being willing to have those conversations. And I think exposure is limited when people are not willing to listen. Because if people come to conversations already closed then it's not a conversation no it's not a conversation it's just a talking to a mirror or a talking to a wall because mm. conversations are supposed to be between two people with equal input so I think yeah an intergenerational approach is one really awesome way to get exposure because when you listen to other mm. people's experiences you learn which sounds really basic <laughs> and sounds like it should be common sense but definitely in the church it's not, not. I think no. that yeah, I think older people are sometimes a lot more hesitant to engage with the younger generation. I think a lot of people think we're rebellious or radical or doing things out of spite, which in some cases might be true. But I think most mm. of the time, everything that my generation is doing is because we see a need for things to change. And yes. it's really just as simple as that. And I think that older people in the church need to just be willing to at least listen they don't mm. have to come to a conversation being like oh I'm going to change my mind and all of a sudden I'm going to agree I think they just have to be willing to listen first and foremost wow we'll be right back Have you experienced that yourself? Have you had older people within your faith community kind of being willing to listen? And, and if you have, what's that been like? Yes, I think in my church and my faith context, I've been really, really lucky to have a lot of intergenerational cool. input, actually. I think in my year 13 year, which was 2020, even in the midst of lockdowns and a pandemic and all the ups and downs, we we're actually lucky enough to establish a small group, which we, the name of it was literally just discipleship. And we met on Sundays and we met after church and we were mentored by our youth pastor at the time. And we had a lot of different guests come into the group and talk us through different ideas or different topics like spiritual gifts, like strength finders, like different spiritual disciplines, which was really interesting. And I think having those different people feed little bits over time all adds up. The little conversations that you have mm. here and there with people actually can do a lot of change. And particularly at the moment, 
I am a youth leader in my church and we have this really awesome Tuakana Tana mentorship relationship going with where the youth leaders have been paired with, well, where the female youth leaders have been paired with older women in our church. Mm. And it's it's That's so cool. life-giving. It's so mm. life-giving because we have this opportunity to message or hang out or get coffee or get dinner and just talk. And there's mm. no set agenda. There's no, I'm older than you. I know everything. Listen to me and you'll be perfect. It's nothing like that. <laughs> I think our mentors come to the table with so much grace and so much desire to see us flourish and we, as youth leaders and as young adults in the church, we equally want to flourish and know how much wisdom we can learn and attain from the older people. So I think that, yeah, those intergenerational relationships have been super life-giving. Mm. And I think in turn have really exposed me to a lot of things that I wouldn't have thought about previously because, you know, I'm one person. And I can't Absolutely. think of everything on my own and I don't want to, that would be boring. So I think, yeah, <laughs> engaging with older people has been really awesome. Mm. I mean, I just love hearing the words, you know, life-giving. Yeah. And and you're making it sound so simple. What you're saying is you're both just coming together to have conversations, to get to know each other. I love too that it's going both ways. I mean, this is yeah. you're talking about something really dear to my heart. And that intergenerational mentoring means you both come out with something. And there is something too about thinking like, so for me, I'm in a few of those and thinking, I don't actually have to come already prepared. I just have to come, like you said, willing to listen. Yeah. What would it be like if there could be more of that? I mean, I'm just trying to imagine what could, would it be like if our churches had more of those kind of relationships? Mm. I think it's exciting to think about because when I picture the future of the mm. church, I think about, for instance, our massive group of young adults on a Sunday at church in my context. And I think if every one of us had that mm. intergenerational connection with at least just one person, one person, just one person, and it doesn't have to be complex, it can be Yes. One coffee once a month and that's it. And I think the difference that would make would be massive because you learn together, mm. you open up together, yeah. you journey together and you change each other. And it's beautiful. It's so beautiful to think about because when older people learn from younger people and younger people learn from older people, you have this beautiful amalgamation of generations and it's like, holy moly, Look at all the wisdom in the room. Maybe we'll actually get somewhere now. <laughs> like, yeah. Look at all the wisdom in the room. Yeah. Ah, oh, I mean, isn't that what we're longing for in our church spaces, or just mm. in our gatherings? That mm. there's more wisdom. <sighs> it's, it's funny. I, I'm often our regular listeners might have noticed that I'm often giving Kathy some stick about being much older than me. But the, <laughs> the the amazing thing for for me is I met Sean, Kathy's husband, when I was 19, and 20 something years later, here I am hanging out with my mate Kathy, who is actually yeah, who has been 
a mentor for uh, yeah Kathy for about 10 years yeah and Sean for 20 something years and I'm not sure that I would be a part of a faith community without those relationships and so it's true yeah I, I mean I, I I have experienced it and I just I love that picture imagine if this group mm. of young adults had one person who was willing to do a coffee a month and for the first few years of me hanging out with Sean that was literally all it was yeah one coffee a month that in some ways for me it's unimaginable but it, mm. it also, yeah. so the the potential of that is insane like I think yeah. that actually is just, absolutely yeah. Yeah. it's it's off the charts and and I think too what you don't realize is that as we get older you know you can easily fear that you don't have something to offer hmm. yeah just as you fear being younger that you're not being listened to and you're mm. thinking oh, we're noticing things we've got ideas and so when the two come together that's what you're saying mm. there is a powerhouse of richness and that wisdom that gets stoked and so i think that's a vision yeah it's a vision for the church it is it is and it makes me excited because it actually is doable and I think a lot of times churches get really bogged down with super complex and intricate structures and systems mm. and it just adds too much fluff to it. But I think the reality of it is really simple. It's just meeting with one person to talk and to listen. That is literally all it has to be. And the outcome of that, the fruit of that is life-giving and life-changing. And I, I agree with you, Stephen, that I don't know that my position or my my faith as it stands would be where it is without the mentorship that I was so blessed to have from, you know, the age of 16. Mm. And I think as a 16-year-old, I looked back and I was really nervous and I was like, oh, no, no one's going to listen to me. What do I know? I'm a girl in the church. And, oh, my, the way my mind has changed and the way now that older people will come and they'll ask me questions. And that's not to say I know everything because I certainly don't. But when they ask me questions, I know that they value what they hear just as I value so much having this conversation or, you know, I'm lucky enough to live with my grandparents. And mm. I sometimes I'll go into their room at night and we'll just chat and it's so life-giving and it's not, it's not necessarily profound and, you know, we're not exchanging life lessons, but just having that connection is really beneficial. Yeah. What do you reckon some of the barriers are to this kind of thing happening? Mm. I think kind of what I touched on before, this stubbornness, hmm. if I can say that, I think that church as it stands across the world is very set in its ways. And I think for a long time, church has been one service once a week. It has been an opening prayer, a few hymns, a sermon, go home. And I think a lot of people are really set in their ways. And I think because the church is made up of a lot of older people, it can be really hard to take on ideas from young people who seemingly know less or know nothing. But I think, yeah, that hesitancy will need to shift. And I think, I know in my context, it is, which is awesome, even if it is slowly. But yeah, I think that stubbornness, it, it gets in the way of a lot of things. Um, 
Yeah. Mm. And I wonder if I could maybe just direct this back at Stephen, because we've been having conversations around, there's also fear barriers in older people as well. Yeah. Stephen, you have some experience about trying to connect intergenerationally when you were working with younger people. Do you want to talk about that? Well, I just remember when I was trying to connect some of the the adults in the youth ministry that I was leading with some of the younger people for the very reasons that you're talking about, Jess, there was often a response, and I'm obviously I'm paraphrasing here, but well, I don't I don't know if if I've got anything to give. I, am I yeah. am I spiritual enough? If I'm, am I am I walking closely enough with Jesus? That kind of language of going, and so there was this this insecurity I think that I encountered, which prevented them from then engaging. And I guess what what I'm hearing you say, Jess, is you're not necessarily looking, or, or the, the younger generations aren't necessarily looking for all of the answers. In fact. You're not looking for the answer, yeah, right? you're no, looking not for at presence. All. You're looking for someone who is just willing to show up yeah, mm. and see how that presence together changes the both of you. Yeah. And I think that's a really incredible shift that could yeah. happen mm, or should happen. Yeah, happen. exactly. I think you're right on that as well. Like, I think I remember back to, I went to a camp in, I think, year 12. And one of my youth leaders was there with us. And we were in line at lunch and he turned to me and he says, Jess, when we get back to Auckland, I'm going to put your name on the curating schedule. And I was like, what? Awesome. <laughs> I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> you can't just tell me you're going to do that. And he was like, no, but you're going to do it and you'll be great at it. And I was like, what? Like, And I just couldn't fathom that someone would believe in me mm-hmm. as a young woman in the church I just couldn't fathom it because I hadn't seen it modeled to me (laughs) and then we came back to Auckland and I curated and since I've preached and all these sort of things and it's crazy that one person saying you're going to do this and you're going to be great at it and just believing and showing up actually has changed the trajectory of my faith and of my engagement with the church. It's wild. And I think of, you know, my role as a youth leader, I'm like, whoa, I need to be doing that for my young people. You know, Mm. how can we facilitate that more? Because, you know, people have done that for me. So now it's like, how can I do that for them? So that hopefully they'll do it for others. Mm. And you just start this beautiful cycle. Yeah. Well, that was one of the questions that I had that you kind of already have answered is, why do you stay in this this sort of system that is so stubborn? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. <laughs> I, I think... feel like the answer to this could change everything if we just listen to this. But anyway. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Um, <laughs> I think that, yeah, that's a really loaded thought, right? Because it's when you give so many years of your life to something, hmm. you actually, I, don't, I've never, I don't think I've really thought about that before. Like, why am I still here? Mm. And I think, yes, as I touched on, again, it's the people who have invested in me. Mm. But I think now, which is very out of character for me, I think I have a lot of hope for where the church could go. And I say that's out of character for me because I think when talking about the church, I can definitely tend to focus on all the things we're doing wrong. Hmm. But I think when I go to youth on a Wednesday and I hear our young people talk, or when I go to church on a Sunday or I catch up with people through the week, I genuinely come away thinking, wow, at least in my context, a lot of people are getting on board with making change. 
And it's really, it's really exciting because I feel like right when you're on the brink of moving somewhere new, Mm. it's so exciting. (laughs) And I think I'm still here because I don't want to miss out. If that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Could you just give us maybe one example? What is it that you're hearing that is giving you that hope? I think as a young person, our my generation is very aware of, for example, the hurt that the church, the mainstream traditional church has caused for a lot of groups in society. Mm. I think our generation is just acutely aware of the pain that people experience. And although I personally haven't experienced the pain to some of the extent that others have, I think speaking from the perspective of being a female that alone mm-hmm. is one element of of hurt that the church has caused and i think one thing i'm hearing when i talk to people is this deep deep desire for justice and mm-hmm. for for upholding new voices for giving people platforms for representation that actually matters and I hear these these conversations, I'll overhear them or I'll be part of them or I'll listen to a podcast or a YouTube video or whatever it is. And there seems to be more and more young adults who are getting on board this realisation that the church cannot continue as it has for years and the church has to change if they want it to be around in 80 years. And I think, you know, the church is made up of 80 year olds and it's and it's frustrating that they make all the decisions and that they have all the power and I think if they want the church to be around for us then we need to have more of a say because we're the ones who are inheriting those Mm. we're inheriting the church and so we need to have a say in it Mm. and I think young adults are finally and very eagerly jumping on that which is so exciting it is Yeah. yeah So, Jess, what do you think needs to change if we're going to change that power base that you're talking about in the church? Yeah, I think in the church there's currently such a reliance on vertical leadership where we have the pastor at the top, we have elders, we have, you know, different ministry leaders and then everyone else. And I think that can be really harmful for people Mm -hmm. who are at at the bottom, quote-unquote, and I think in terms of shifting that power base and giving voices to people who are the church now and will be the church in 20 years to come, I think we need to step away from vertical leadership as it stands and consider what it would look like to implement more of a horizontal leadership where, or a flat leadership, whatever the term is, to yeah allow for more voices to be heard around the table. I think one thing that young adults want is just a seat at the table mm. and a spot to be heard and to at least share. I don't think young adults are expecting the older generation to take on board everything we say straight away, but I think giving us a space to sit at the table just as Jesus would to allow us to speak is is probably one change that we can make to really yeah shift that power base, as you say. And have you got like one example, like in terms of imagining what a horizontal would look like? Recently, I've thought about this a little bit more. I think that 
I personally would like to see a young adult on every eldership. I think okay. that eldership is it's kind of in the name people think it's older people. And I do think that there's absolutely, as I've been saying, there is mm. great importance in having older people on eldership roles or on eldership seats. But if they are going to be making decisions, mm. decisions need to be made in partnership with young adults and they need mm. to be made in partnership with other communities or other groups or other people who deserve and who have a right to say and to speak and to share. So I think, yeah, that's one change. If I could do anything as, as the church stands, I would love to see, yeah, a young adult sit on the elders. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. You know, because we talk about this quite a lot, you know, you are not the future of the church. You are the church right now. Yeah. Present. And so yeah. absolutely, you need to have a say. Mm. Mm. What about on a Sunday? Is there something you would change there? I think back in 2022, we did a church hui sort of type thing where we listened to one another for, I think it ended up being 10 hours consecutively Whoa. in one day Whoa. it was <laughs> yeah it was it was very very tiring and the night before it had been three hours of listening so I think altogether it was wow. like 13 or 14 hours of just listening and hearing one another and I think on a Sunday one thing I would like to see is more of that and I don't mean that every Sunday you spend 10 hours sitting <laughs> in a circle listening but I would love to see maybe you know if you are gathering on a Sunday at 10, as most Baptists or most churches tend to do, maybe, you know, once a month you sit in a circle. <laughs> so you face each other and you see one another because <sighs> seeing one another is a catalyst for listening to one another properly. Yeah. So, yeah, sitting in a circle is like one very small but doable change that I would love to see churches <laughs> do on a Sunday for sure. Mm. That just makes me, <sighs> I mean, so many more voices will be able to be heard in that space, right? Yeah, it's exactly. not just the voice on the stage or, or up the front that gets heard. It's it's the collective again of, again. of what, which is what you began you know, by talking about. Mm. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Oh, Jessica, this has just been an inspiring conversation. And, you know, just what you said is so doable. Your call mm. for intergenerational relationships, keeping it simple. Yeah. Mm. And I think that is such a great challenge for us to take from this conversation. And so we just thank you so much Man. for your wisdom. Thank you guys so much for having me. I feel very blessed to have this platform and to have this, this space. It's been really life-giving for me as well. And I love the mahi that you guys are doing. So yeah, thank you as well. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Changes Ahead podcast. If that resonated with you, or you've got thoughts about the changes ahead for the church, we'd love to hear from you. So get in touch on Instagram or Facebook at Changes Aheadcast, or email us at the Changes Ahead podcast at gmail.com. See you next time. <laughs>